I didn't want you to start talking about stuff that I wanted to talk about. Um, no, I have no, a tendency no. to do that. I, like before we start, you know, the conversation mm-hmm. just immediately goes and you're like, hold on, I got to hit yep. record. Oh, no, I, I know. <laughs> well, I, I am such a talker. Oh, that... so am I. So am I. Well, I mean, look at what I do. So right. it's kind of baked yeah. in. No, it, Captain it's good Obvious. that you found your niche. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. My name is Jay, and we are joined by TA alum, Aiden Crockett. How you doing today, Aiden? I'm wonderful, Jay. How are you doing? I am living the dream, let me tell you. It's, uh, it's all how you define it. I think the dream always exists. It's just a matter of whether or not you view it as a nightmare or something spectacular. I was going to say, not every dream is pleasant, but they're all yours. Absolutely. And you know what? We leave dreams in the past. Why can't Mm -hmm. we leave those issues in the past? Well, then you would have nothing to dream about. Mm. I'm talking about the scary ones that come back. Oh, oh, okay. Well, it's... That's like... It is a whole thing. And I've learned a lot about that, why you can't leave them in the past. And there are some physiological reasons for that as well as your psychological ones. I'm sure we're going to discuss that. So I would like to uh, just real quick, I want to share a trigger warning and provide the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK-8255. We do tend to speak about some pretty heavy and in-depth subjects, uh, just like our last interview where we did go into the rabbit hole of what it is to contemplate self-harm um, in so many different ways. So I just want everybody to know that uh, up front that may be discussed during this episode, as well as some uh, polarizing topics. So prepare yourself wisely. Yes, prepare yourself. <laughs> Iden keeps it real. Iden does keep it real. And that's why I love you. You're a multimedia artist so many different ways, very eclectic, and you're a first responder on top of that. Just to get everybody familiar with someone who's in museums at the same time that they're in ambulances, that's pretty badass. <laughs> it's, it is, um, it's a lot to navigate. I also have three kids and, and all of those things that go with that. So that's, not, there's not a lot of sleeping to go back to talking about but dreams. But you don't sleep anyway. many dreams. <laughs> We've discussed this before. You're not a sleeper. I am not a sleeper. <laughs> um, in fact, I have a whole I have a whole exhibition opening next month that is that is about that. Oh, um, really? It's, so it's, it is going to be about yeah. insomnia. So before we started, um, and I know we're going to get into some art discussion, and there's a hot topic with you, and you were already ready to come out the gates with it, you know, and just tell me about it, and I was excited to hear it. But you had a recent post on Instagram where you were discussing how social media throttles, you know, the creative mind and keeps it unable to produce in a manner that is authentic because it's playing to an algorithm or some kind of trend in order to get seen. And you have to piece your small amounts of art throughout what is just junk in the interim to keep your algorithm steady. And I love what you're doing with this. And I want you to explain it to everybody if you can. Yeah, well, my problem was, you know, when I started to put out my art and to make it public, I was very new to to things and very naive. um, And and I didn't have an an online presence at all. Mm. And so I thought, you know, well, the first place people, you know, artists go is is Instagram, right? So I, I got on Instagram. And I thought, you know, it's the old days. If you just put up good work and you're consistent and you're honest and your audience will grow. Mm. But that is not how it works. Um, you, you either have to hustle it up one at a time, reaching out like me, like you, or, or you have to play their game, mm. which is make the content that they want to push. And right now that is reels, TikTok style reels. Um, and if you're not doing that, not only do they not give you the reach, they also don't show you your work to your own followers. Mm. So at the time when I stopped putting up new work on there, I had around 24, 2,500 followers. Mm-hmm. Um, a good post for me would reach 100, 150. 
And they, they do that on purpose so that you then have to give them your $10, your $5 to boost your post. The boost. Yeah. And if you do that, I, and I did do that. And every time I would do that, I would get a whole, a whole bunch of new followers. And so I knew that if people saw it, they did like the work and they wanted to see more if they saw it. Being pay um, to play. Indeed. And that was, the, that was the key, though, if they saw it. Um, and, you know, the last straw for me was because I always, I always did run afoul of, oh, God, you showed a nipple in your art. Or, oh, oh my God, you mm. used the word suicide in your, your caption. And, and then they would hold it down, especially on Facebook. If I had the word trans in my caption, I couldn't even find my own work. It would be very, it would surprising. be very, post down. I, I tend to look at that particular platform as a cesspool. Yeah, um, it is. That, that my grandma floats on and I have to walk around it in order to communicate with her. <laughs> like, yes, she's not part of the cesspool. She's floating on it. Um, you know, all of those older relatives are on there. So you're like, well, I got to keep my Facebook. But in reality, I wouldn't go through those threads if my life depended on it. So if you're no, commenting on Facebook, I'm sorry. I'm just really not going in there because I feel like I'm going to get slapped with some kind of bigotry or some other polarizing issue that, quite honestly, I don't give a fuck about because I just treat everybody the same. And it's not worth your trouble. No. It really isn't. I, I liked Facebook because it was, it was a convenient way for me to reach people local to me. Mm. Um, because most of my audience on Facebook was local. So if I had something going on locally, that was a great way for me to put it out. 100%. Um, I'm sorry, Jay, what? One second. I want to adjust this. Please do. I like that you pop back up, like almost like you were coming back to the show. (laughs) Here I am. Let's do this. I was thinking me crazy. I I looked like a little little yin yang action there. I don't know. Oh, man. You remember the old circus where they had like the male and female like mustache on one side and then the other? That was such an interesting act. Oh, and I tell you what, I I lived that life. Well, I mean, um, you would be the one to be able to explain that. (laughs) Oh, my God. But um, so we were talking about this and where, you know, the final straw for me was I had, and I typically stayed away from politics Mm. with my art pages because my art is is typically more focused on myself. It's more autobiographical. Um, And not that I didn't want to alienate or push away an audience, but I didn't want, I didn't want to water that, that down, that content down. Mm. Um, but with everything that was going on in Gaza, and I felt like I, I had a responsibility as small of a platform as I had to say something in whatever way I did. Whatever um, you feel inclined to do with your passions is your business. Right. And I felt like, you know, now's, now's the time. Um, and so I, I put some stuff up and it, it just made me realize, you know, I, I had a video of just talking a couple minutes. And when you have something up that's three minutes long and the average view time is four and a half seconds, <laughs> you know, you start to think, wow, you can have thousands of views and it doesn't mean crap. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that was where I was, where it, I, I was like, you know what? I put in all this work, all this work into my writing, all this work into my art. And it doesn't matter how many likes I get. I know that it's just in the scroll. I know that even if you like what I do, you don't have time to spend the yeah. time on it. Um, and so I, I started to, to think, is there another way? to get my art out there, you know, combined with having to censor my work, combined with having to pay to play. And this, this final thing, I was like, you know, what? I've, I've had it. <clears throat> um, and, and that was, that was when I, I decided to switch up my strategy a little bit. Um, and so now what I do is I assemble my work bi-monthly into a free, easy and newsletter type of a format. Mm-hmm that I either mail out to people on my mailing list or, um, and I, and also just post it to my website as a PDF that you can, that you can view. 
That's an extremely and bold move. It was because you go from having 2,000 followers to a mailing list of 20. Mm. And it is like you have started all over again. Like that two and a half, three years that you spent is nearly wasted. You're almost just shaking the etch a sketch and starting over. Oh, but um, here's the thing I feel like all the dots on your etch a sketch weren't real. Right. That so is you're the thing. shaking nothing. Exactly. And I've talked to so many other uh, artists and creators who have the same frustrations as me. But for whatever reason, they're afraid to lose this, this illusion of audience. Mm. And I tell them, I was like, listen, you have nothing to lose. You have nothing. Right? They, they fooled you. And these likes and follows and things that are these carrots that they hold in front of you are just fans. I think TikTok legitimately uses carrots or wraps or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, though, because here you are breaking your back mm. to put out this content and to put out content that you didn't come to make. Right? I didn't come here to make reels unless I felt mm. like it. But then you start feeling like I have to. And you start feeling like I have to make this kind of reel. I have to. I have to use this kind of verbiage. I have to, to post it this time. And that's, you're, you're killing yourself for nothing. You can't win that game. And Instagram doesn't make a product. We make the products. I had an and analogy. And without the creators, they've got nothing. It's just a warehouse. It really right? is. It's just an empty warehouse. And there's no point in killing yourself for their platform. I was like, I have my own platform. I have my own website. Why am I not working to build traffic there? Um, and that, point. that is, that's been my focus lately and what I've been trying to do. So I like to think about when I'm doing art. In the past, I was doing, like I was painting a picture, right? And I was focused on this one area. And I sat there and put all this detail into it and thinking that I was failing. I wasn't doing the right thing. I was, look at this shading. This isn't right. I'm putting all my effort into something. But when I do it authentically and I am in that position, when I'm given the wherewithal to step back and look at the grander picture, because I'm not alone in this. We're all together. And what I find right. out is when I was standing there, I was actually working on the elusive smile of the Mona Lisa. But yes. in my mind, I was just drawing lines that I felt mm -hmm. passionately inclined to do. But in reality, somebody else was putting something else to paper right next yeah. to me to create something beautiful. But when we're creating to a false motive or goal, when we're taking our art and we're forcing it into widgets and we're coming up with things that don't match our, our own fingerprint, they don't match yeah. them in any way, shape, or form. So we sit there and we make it. And I'm going to make one last point about this. Art does not work with time. Art exists independent of time. Time is right. actually an illusion, but art in and of itself cannot be called upon at will. Exactly. It has to be done in the moment when you're passionate about it, not fucking doing a damn makeup tutorial. Not that there's anything wrong with doing any, whatever job you're supporting yourself with. I'm not going to knock mm -hmm. influencers. You've been forced into a farm to reproduce your eggs, right? right. <laughs> I mean, is there a better way well, to look at that it? That is the point. And I think that there was still this mindset that, that if you build it, they will come. And that's not true anymore. All of these platforms are monetized mm -hmm. now. And that, that means that they're focused on pushing content for people who can pay. And that's companies, that's advertising, that's influencers who are just commercials with a new title. and. That's that, a socioeconomic that's, divide. It's just exactly, another form of college nice. or some kind of elite family or upbringing. It, it's all the same. Yeah. And, and so if you are a small creator or just somebody who, who is not focused on that, I mean, I was spending hundreds and hundreds of hours a year on social media instead of making things. 
Um, but if you're, if, if you can't match that level, you're not going to be able to compete. And as it becomes more a place for, they start using these algorithms and these bots and, and it becomes a place for money and robots and not a place for creativity and humans. And that, you know, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't spend my time on it anymore. And I felt like I had a new idea and I had a privileged position in that I don't need to sell my art to survive. I don't have to hustle and play. I can mm. do it the way I want to. And maybe it will work and more people then can follow me. I can see all the reasons that you would be in this position that you're in, especially with the type of art that you create, the rawness, the polarization that it can have on the eyes. We've been mm -hmm. formed into a mold that requires us to be happy when we see certain things and offended when we see others based on how people look at our reactions. And that's yes. not how you consume, right? No. Art? Well, it shouldn't be. <laughs> right. Agreed. But most people are more worried about the expression on their face when they're looking at the art than they are than consuming the art. Right? Yes. So for me, I feel like we have to put all of these things that we're discussing has to be addressed, but we also have to take it out of the picture of our individual artistic moments. We cannot paint a picture looking over our shoulder at how people are perceiving it. It's and not how it works. I was starting to do that. I was starting to do that. And I, that, I do it every that, day. It broke one of my fundamental rules. You know, down, down in my studio, I have a whiteboard. And when I started to do this professionally, I put three things across it that were my three pillars. And it was, one of them was be honest. Mm. And I felt like when I was making work catered to something that I didn't feel was an honest institution, you know, how could I be anything but dishonest? Um, and, but it, it took, it, it took, I don't want to say guts, but maybe just a little bit of a temper tantrum for me to be like, you know what? Screw it. Screw you. Screw everybody. I'm, I'm out. Well, the only way to exit the machine is with force because okay. it's designed to suck you in at any given time and give you some kind of comfort. It's, it's yeah. mom and dad in the absence of mom and dad. I'm going to give you sustenance. You do what I say to do. I'm going to put you in this very... position where you rely on me and I'm going to put flowers and puppies and other things in front of you so you stay in the chair longer. And staying with what you know is very, very comfortable. Oh, well, that's victimhood. Mm -hmm. I think that we sit yeah, in victimhood while we review our social media. I hadn't thought of it that way, but it, it is. very disrupted. Um, and also, you know, speaking to multiple roles, I did have a kid home today who was barking this morning. So I'm trying to keep an ear open. Uh, it's <laughs> awesome, though. I, I love how tight knit your family is and your story as a familial it's, unit. It's, it's not, yeah. um, it's not the norm. And I think it, that it should be. I think yeah. it should do it should be in the way that there is no true definition outside of love for the familial unit. Yeah. And it's, it's something that closeness was something that I wanted to build because that is not something that we had in my family growing up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like it was animosity. You know, my sister and I get along fine, but we're just not close. And so, you know, you start to realize like, oh, it's been three weeks since I talked to my sister. Maybe I should send her a text or something. But in that meantime, 
you didn't really miss each other mm. because you've always just sort of been apart. Um, and we wanted, we wanted to work very consciously, my wife and I too, to build a closeness between the kids. So, you know, even though we had extra rooms in the house, they all slept in one room. And, you know, uh, when we're walking, even though the youngest one is just the toddler, we all walk slow and we all keep pace with the smallest or the slowest. And we're a team always. Um, and that has started to pay off. They're, they're incredibly tight. Um, almost to the point where they, they, oh, do they form alliances against you? No, no. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's coming. Thing. You know, there's going to be a moment. They, realized, they haven't realized their strengths that they have strength of numbers there. They haven't realized. <laughs> and they also haven't realized how, how weak my resolve is. I will crumble with of course too you much. Will. <laughs> of course you will, because you love them dearly. And right. the reward is seeing their happiness. Much yeah. more than whatever it is you're giving into. Well, and my philosophy always was say yes within reason. Mm. You know, you, you don't have to say yes to everything. You don't have to say no to everything. But if you could, because if you say no to everything, then they're going to find a way behind your back to get to yes. And that was what I didn't want. I didn't want sneaky kids. And I didn't want kids that felt like they had to earn every single thing that went into their mouths or every hug or, or whatever. I, you know, there will be times when you get something and there will be times when you don't. It doesn't hurt to ask, but it also doesn't hurt to hear no. Um, and so that's, that was another sort of foundational strategy. I think that's an amazing parents. strategy. Um, you're teaching them independence and coping skills and understanding that life doesn't revolve around material possessions. It actually revolves around being able to love yourself. Love yourself despite what's coming from the outside in. Right. Appreciate what you have mm -hmm. and appreciate who you are. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've early on let, you know, wear the clothes we want to wear. As long as, you know, you're not wearing shorts in the snow or something. And I was like, hundred so percent. I get what you mean. You, you know, and put on and a helmet. <laughs> it, it has been put on a helmet. It's been working. You know, I have three kids who don't really seem to give a crap what other people think of them, and move through the world um, confidently without me standing behind them. And but it it takes a lot of work. Like anything, mm. anything you want to do, right? It takes constant work. If I say yes to a dessert. I'm saying yes to a dessert for all three of the kids and mm. nobody's eating it until all three of them are ready to do it. And so like, it's a tape. Oh Always. man, you won't be with a guy that can't do enough push-ups. That would suck. <laughs> nobody's eating until everybody, until, until Hicks does 20 more push-ups. Everybody just wait yeah. on him. <laughs> and, and you know, that was always... Sorry, that was that a was military thing. Great. It came out at me for a moment. I had a little flashback. Well, you know, they did the same thing in like fire academy or martial arts classes <laughs> or whatever. And, and it was always, uh, I felt a wasted opportunity, right? Because here you are teaching, okay, yes, you're a unit, but you're also teaching, okay, this guy maybe needs to go. Mm. Maybe needs to be forced out or bullied instead of brought up. That um, tends to be an so entire climate. You your lack of upper body strength. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you could run a, a hundred miles and not lose your win. People don't understand that there's different gifts and talents that are brought to the table in any team scenario. If you're discounting people because they can't do one particular item, you're a dumbass. You're not using no. all the tools in your toolbox. Way to and go. Run around with your hammer all day and just break you want shit. A team of experts, right? You want a team of five or six experts in different fields Correct. with some core competencies, but you don't want eight snipers in your platoon. It's a hell of a circle. Yeah. And, you know, um, I used to run into this in my, in my firefighting life where, you know, for a while we, we had a very unusual system where I was a firefighter where every couple of years they would get everyone together to row up a blank roster and based on seniority, you get to pick your shift your station, and your position. But that was your spot for two years. Mm. So if you were the operator on the engine, your operator, 
two years, 200 shifts in a row. If you were the in-charge paramedic, 200 shifts in a row. And muscle memory, baby. Right. Some people had some pushback from that, but I thought that was actually an excellent system because it it forced you being into those experts. Your paramedic was an expert paramedic. Your operator was an expert operator. Your operator was not a real great paramedic, but you didn't need a real great paramedic because you already had one. What's easier, tasking or multitasking? You pick one. Why not sharpen your sword at each and every station that you can? I thought, you know, why not have four people that are great at what they do than four that are mediocre at everything? Oh, I need my people to have hyper-focus and I want to use theirs where it applies. If you're nerding out about all of the biologicals in this and you know this scenario, please come in and diagnose. If you're the guy that's really good at CPR and jump on it, dude, you've got a better rhythm than anybody or you're on a street. Where the fuck it is? Go for it. And that's basic. That's basic resource management, right? right? It's the reason why you don't have 30 doctors in an emergency room. Um, you, well, you know, now there's Google, to, so I would either, argue that there's, there's more than 30. The the better. <laughs> but, but an educated uh, patient is not something that you should take lightly because they oh. know themselves from the inside out, not the outside in. Yeah, and you know what's funny is all of this, you know, we're talking about it in terms of, you know, military units or or patient care, but it is very applicable to the problems I was having on social media, Mm. whereas they wanted everybody to be this one thing. And that isn't what made their platform stand out. If everybody wants to be TikTok, then what, what have you, what have you got? Um, all you have is TikTok and imitation TikTok, and you've lost what Instagram was. You've lost what YouTube was. And those things were great at what they did. Um, and it, it was, it, it's very frustrating to me because I saw so many very, very skilled people, songwriters, poets, mm-hmm. you know, musicians, artists of every kind. And you would, You'd look at their work, but like, this is incredible. And you'd click to their page. And I was like, they have 300 followers? I was like, that's, that's criminal. And I, and that's, you know, I, I realized that, that that was only going to get worse. And it was starting to make me feel very badly about myself. Because I was putting up work mm. that I was very proud of. Um, Self-value out of that follower count, too, is really something difficult not to, you know, focus on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I was starting to set follower counts as, as mm. goals, as career milestones. And I realized, you know what? You, you can have a million followers. If none of them buy your art, then, you know, I'm sorry, end of the day, it's not a good career move. And if you can't connect with them the market, right. And my art isn't for a commercial, it's for a personal market. And in personal connection, is what I was seeking. And honestly, I, even with a small account, I couldn't find it anymore. I wanted, I would rather send my work to 10 people that want it than, than show it to a thousand that are just stepping over it on their way to something else. You know, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. We've known each other for a couple of years now. We've seen each other's art. Mm-hmm. We've watched each other grow. Um, since you've been on the show, I'm very proud of you, by the way, for what I've seen you stand up and do. Um, a lot of this obviously resonates with me because I have to work in social media as well. Um, I have so many issues around things that we've discussed with body dysmorphia and, you know, my self-worth when it comes to being on camera and that type of thing. Um, this show is where I developed my art my music, my graphic design, my video work, all that kind of stuff. And I also made the commitment to being authentic, right? Mm -hmm. At all times to continue to be myself and that my message will resonate when it needs to resonate. That I'm throwing keys and they'll unlock the locks that they need to when they're supposed to and you'll catch up or be beside me or ahead of me or whatever it is, right? But there are those trends. There's all, all those ag- algorithms, right? 
all these things that force you to create types of content. I bought a goddamn teleprompter, right? <laughs> I did. Like, I yeah. hate that I had to do that. But because you have to talk a certain way and put out certain content and all this shit, you have mm -hmm. to make sure that it looks fucking perfect. And I understand people are going to say, no, it doesn't matter if you're just real and you make whatever. Yeah, dude, mm -hmm. it's not that way. Not everybody gets a fucking Grammy for one goddamn video and then rides out the fucking residuals. It's not how it mm -hmm. works. Yes. It, it right? isn't how it works at all. So I'm sitting here grinding and I'm putting out different types of content and I love what I do. And I haven't gone into the pay to play. I've almost looked at it like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. You know, when they see it, they see it. And it is hard. Because you've seen, it, it like, is. my level of content, I don't like to be a fucking, I don't sit here and gloat and, you know, pretend like I'm better than anybody else. But I've put four and a half fucking years into this brand and designing yeah. how it looks. And I know it looks fucking good. I get compliments from, from, from some of the top product. producers out there, yet I don't have the downloads or the followers that they would expect me to. Not that we're doing bad, but no. I had somebody come on one of our lives the other because we're testing. Been testing a lot of our equipment and trying to get the right setup. You know me, I'm meticulous. Set up mm -hmm. our live and somebody showed up in it. You know, we didn't advertise it. And he's like, this is fucking amazing. Am I early? <laughs> I was like, well, that was a compliment and an insult right at the same time. I know. Oh, my God. And I know that feeling. I was like, yeah. thank you, I think. When you get that comment, when you get that comment, like, you know, like, oh, this is great. How are you not famous? This is great. How do you not have a million followers? I was like, I'll tell you how. You didn't buy it. <laughs> right. This is America. And I don't care what they tell you. We don't reward greatness and we don't reward individuality until it's already become mainstream. Mm. You know, you have to already have proven yourself if you're going to be famous as a new type of a thing. Um, and you... Are we trying to be a thumb when we should be a finger? A thumbprint when we're supposed it, to be a fingerprint? Well, and let me tell you, I have way more use for a finger than I do for a thumb. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. There's a, they, they, <laughs> I, I, you know, and my thing was that you can get trapped in this goal that they try to sell you, this goal of fame, this goal of numbers. And I think for, for you and me, that is not why we do this. No. We do this because we have something to say. And if, if I'm not saying it, then why am I here? With this a little bit from my own perspective, because again, that's something I struggle with. And I don't want people to think that it's a lost cause, right? Lost cause, lost cause. I think that whatever the modicum of or avenue that you use to put your art out there, so long as you are true to yourself. 100% and you're creating it from that fire that's inside of you that's always been there. It's not up to you 
to pick and choose who sees it. It's up to you, and it is your duty to simply make it. And the mm-hmm. more you make it from that place, the more it's going to resonate with the right people. Right. And it will and- hit at the right crossroad for them. I used to and think you- that I had to control what people thought when I said things. You know, I was like, well, I'm going to help you. I'm going to point you in a direction, you know, because I could recognize it. And even though I knew and they didn't, you know, in this particular scenario, I'm like, oh, I'm going to give you advice. Fuck off. Be mm-hmm. a lighthouse. Be exactly. a lighthouse. Do your thing. And people will take their cues from you. And that's what, that's what I've always tried to do. And but that, I tell you what, that can be a lonely and exhausting existence. Yeah. Um, because you know you're you are trying your best mm. and you know that maybe there's a chance that your best, however great it was, doesn't matter in the way that you wanted it to. Um, you know, I like I said, I decided this work I was doing is good and it's important. And I thought if I wanted to reach people, I need to be responsible for reaching people. Mm. I need to go out like old school and get to my own audience. I got to get back out on the street corner. I can't, I can't just sit in bed on my phone and say, hey, I'm a genius. Come, come pay me. So maybe you're recognizing your true position in how you bring your art to fruition and that yours requires not just pencil to paper or brush to canvas, you have a duty to utilize your voice in conjunction Mm -hmm. with your art at the same time. It does not resonate without the translation sometimes because language is the great divider and so is perception of art. Like you don't know what somebody feels when they see things because you don't know the prescription of their glasses. Their lenses are different. They're going to see it different than you. And it's part of what's beautiful about art um, is the fact that it can be a conversation. Mm. I can make this thing that is about me and about things that are filtered through my mind and experience. I show it to you and it's out of my hands. You're going to see it and you're going to filter it through your eyes. And and now it's a conversation. Um, And to me, that is the difference between art and craft. Mm. Is, is this conversation. I feel like my art was not art until I showed it to somebody. Ooh, um, and then, and is, then it how do you feel about that now? I still feel that way. You feel, feel it's like, not art until the eyes of another looks at it? Well, and, and I don't mean to think, I don't want the word art to Okay, equal, okay fair enough. A, you know, I don't we love want to challenge each other. Yeah, I don't want it to be a qualitative um words okay good right like your your creations can be very skillful they can be very satisfying to you but when i look for a definition of what is art you know what what makes this thing art and that thing not to me it is the communication and you know maybe your work will survive you and communicate but there's a reason why you know, the, the statue of David is still considered a beautiful work of art, even though it's completely out of context. Now for the time, it still means something to us when we filter it. And, and now Michelangelo's mind is passed through our mind. And now we can write about it. We can talk about it. We can think about it. Mm. And it, it, it becomes a conversation that stretches back almost the in years. Art um, is independent of time. It is, except for the time it takes to make it. Not and even that then, because that's just a moment. A bad place for it. It's still just um, a moment. It's still a now. It's never a past. It's never a future. So you're always creating. You're creating in flows. You're coming and going based on your internal emotions. And capturing that moment, I think, is so important. Ooh, it's surfing. Even well, even if your work takes a, a lot of moments to create, you know, I have some pieces that I spend 50, 60 hours on, but I understand. I, it's part of why I like to work in, in analog versus digital, although I have been doing a lot of digital work, is that 
you know, in that moment, I did this thing and I can't take it back. You know, I drew this line in pen. It's there. I, I, I screwed up gluing this down and I have to work around it. It's there. Doesn't it come and out better though? I think so. I think it comes it out It shows more. the challenge within the art. And it shows that there was a person doing it. Mm. It shows that maybe, you know, maybe I didn't do this right because I was stoned. Or, you know, or maybe because I, I was tired. Or I'm maybe trying because, to add you know, too much brass in my mixes for music when I'm a little too uh, high. Exactly. <laughs> I love right. horns. And, you know, there is like a good impulse when you are an artist to, to try to make something flawless and to go back and cover mm. your mistakes. I find that's a self-worth um, issue for me, that I care so much about the public opinion that I'm now slaving into something that was already beautiful. The key around this is to make imperfection your brand and then you're right on brand whatever mistake you make becomes something that was not a mistake and you're you're 100 pandemic did something had a phenomenon that i absolutely love and it's going to sound weird and it's around makeup right mm -hmm. people stopped where women or people stopped wearing yep. makeup because they weren't going out into public. And <laughs> as a whole, the, the society, generally, it's women that are wearing makeup. And it right. was so relieving to see them in their natural, beautiful state without wearing a fucking kabuki mask, right? How do you know who the fuck somebody is if they paint it on their face, and I'm not saying if it's art or you're doing it because you love doing it, that's something different. But if you're doing it right. to hide your flaws, well, fuck. And it's not like we don't teach little girls that they're already flawed. We hand them a fucking makeup kit and a Barbie doll by the age of 10. Oh, look, you're a princess now. Now that you put on lipstick, you're pretty. All these exactly. things... So what happens? You're fucking scrolling through Instagram, taking duck lip pictures for the rest of your life to get your fucking internal reward. Sorry, mm -hmm. I ran it for a second. No, you know what? It can be a very vicious cycle. And this idea that you're not good how you are is one that is fundamental to American life, especially if you consider its history with Christianity and its founding. Because, you know, I don't consider myself to be a Christian. But I've, I've heard enough and read enough that being flawed as a human is fundamental to that story. 100%. For no real fault of your own. And you're already behind the curve just for being born. And we do that also in the secular world here, where we're going to show you a performer. You've never heard of them before. They've dropped this product. It's amazing. You love them. And it feels like they woke up one day, put out a beautiful song that was professionally produced, went out and performed it. And, and it's wrong. That person has been working their whole life. Mm -hmm. Those producers have been working their whole lives. There's thousands of dollars behind it. Mm. There's thousands of hours behind it. They don't tears. tell you that story. Legit tears, breakdowns, crying like, fuck, I lost all this. I fucking changed this mix so much that now I can't find where I loved it before. I've completely screwed this up. You know, it's, it's always some kind of issue. But you are right. Embrace the fact that there are flaws in your art because the and flaws are the fingerprint. The, right. Try to find the humanity in what humans are doing. I love a live band. Uh, humanity is a, is a dying art. First of all, um, allowing yourself to be flawed, allowing yourself to, <laughs> to learn at the pace that a human learns, to, to work at the pace that a human works is something that is becoming more and more problematic for people in their minds. It's not acceptable think, oh, to be God, human. I have to listen to all of these, these podcasts on double speed. I have to, you know, at night tones. Hell because no. you're not a robot. My mind you're... is already at double speed. I don't need a podcast on it on top of oh, it. No crap. I was like, I have to take medicine to slow this down. <laughs> like, my therapist would be pissed at me if he knew I was cramming double yeah. speed talk into my head. Yeah, right. 
Well, and <laughs> and going back to to your point about the makeup is that right? Of course, of course, there's nothing wrong with putting on makeup, no. dressing however you want to dress if that's what you want to do and if it's what you want to do that day. But if you're doing it because you feel like you have to, mm. because you feel like if if you don't, then people's opinion of you will change, or worse, you will have violated some sort of rule. Mm. I know lots of of feminine people who who shave their legs not because they want to, because they feel like they have to. So and same with makeup. Same because they're worried that somebody that they don't know is going to think that they're gross. Shaving your and face. My point is, my point is, if somebody thinks that about you, they are not a great person, and you should not care what bad people think about you. Well, it gives you a red flag up front. I prefer you don't like me from jump, because then I don't have to waste any time on you as a human. I met and a young man probably two or three years ago at an outlet mall. He was cleaning, uh, he was selling that shoe cleaner. You know, they always, they're, they're hustling, right? And this guy, he, he stops and he starts talking, I'm like, oh, dude, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy fucking shoe polish. I appreciate you trying. Um, but you, he's like, okay, man, I get it. And he's like, I'm just having a bad day. And I was like, what do you mean you're having a bad day? He said, well, I did something stupid yesterday and I got this diamond tattoo under my right eye. And everybody that I've looked at today looks at me different. And I think I did something wrong. And it hurt to see that in his eyes. And I'm not even sure why he felt the need to tell me that in the moment. And I looked at him and I thought about it. And I was like, bro, you did the smartest thing you could ever fucking do. You put a filter for fucked up people on your face. If anybody looks at that stupid diamond and has a problem with it, you know they're not a decent human because they're judging you for a fucking smudge. Mm-hmm. A it, smudge in time. And that, as a transgendered person, holy crap. Right? Like, holy crap. Because, you know, there's... There's some liberation in that. Different. It seems different with the younger people, but with people my age, I'm 45. People my age and up, trans people, and especially newly coming out ones, there is so much pressure and desire to pass. Oh. And, and I felt that when I started. And I thought, well, you know what? I already passed this cisgender before I started transitioning. If I didn't want anyone to know I was trans, then I should have just stayed presenting male. And saved myself the trouble. I said that wasn't what I wanted. That I don't need people to know if I'm a boy or a girl. I need them to know that I'm Iden, and and that's it. Um, it doesn't mean that that's easy, no. but that is what you have to do to be true to yourself. If you want to get a tattoo under your eye, even if it is a mistake later that you regret it or whatever, that is still you. That's still your history, and it's not invalid. And you don't have to be ashamed of it. Um, Shouldn't be. And it takes so much work, though, because we said earlier, this isn't a culture that rewards individuality. Mm -mm. We we pay lip service to that, but it's not true. Um, And it takes courage to step away from, from the flock. It takes courage to, you know, Lose your follower count. And to say that, you know what? I'm going to come out as trans. I'm going to lose my friends. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to do that, but it's worth it. Because I have faith in myself that I'm going to land in something better. And even if it's smaller, it will be more true.
for me, I feel like that's the shortest, most terrifying fall there ever is. It's not far. It's a blindfold and a curb. Mm -hmm. And it's being terrified of that fall, not realizing that it required no effort whatsoever to actually be you to your fullest capability. And there's a side benefit to this. All of the weight, the tremendous weight that is on your shoulders now is moot because you have allowed yourself to accept yourself in the moment for who you are. And it doesn't require you to carry a fucking trailer of shit. Right? That is the thing. It is so hard to to try to imagine what a thousand people expect. It's impossible because I don't care how you look. The people there. If, if life were soup, you'd be screaming every time somebody tried to stick their dick in it and stir it. Like, right? Oh Get out of my God. soup. This is mine. This is I my know. soup. I'll give you a ladle. But don't come yeah. over here stirring my shit. This right. is you authentically me. This is my gumbo. <laughs> Go wow. and it out. You know what? When, when you really do that, when you really do step out as you for you, mm. people recognize it. That's the reason why that kid talked to you. He needed to talk to somebody. Of course. He knew that you would get it. And people do that to me all of the time. I, I can't tell you the amount of heavy shit that strangers throw at me. And I often wonder, I'm like, what, it, what is it about my face that says, tell me your childhood abuse story? <laughs> I was like, well, no, 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 no. You being you authentically shows that you're wearing the scars they have proudly. And they have the ability to speak to you openly because they don't feel judged. Exactly. You become a safe space because when you're being yourself, it shows that you don't judge because you're not judging yourself anymore. Or if you are, you're judging yourself by your own standards. Um, and every time that happens, every time somebody does talk to me about whatever, um, it's, it's always a huge honor to me, first of all, that they would trust me. Um, and then I, it's also a huge responsibility, though, because I feel mm. like, okay, I need to respond to this in a way that doesn't shut them off for the next time. And so even if I'm like, listen, I've been awake all night long. Uh, I, don't, I don't need this You're not wrong. right now. I have uh, problems, right? That's not it's unreasonable. Hard. But it is, it, it is harmful, possibly, to this person who reached out to you. Yeah, it's a fine line. And we have that with the Tragedy Academy. There are people that reach out in dire straits or having gone through something. And even when they're thanking you, they're still showing you their cards and you are going to predict their hand. And it's hard not to call their bluff in the moment. No, you're not done yet. You're reaching out and you're telling me this about your life and you've got this opinion, but you know what? I'm further down the line and you have not crossed these extra roads. So now I feel the onus to keep my eye on you because mm -hmm. I know that you're going to stumble and I got to stop putting my eye on people and just let them be there in the moment that they're there. And if they come back, they come back when they need to, because yeah. it's so hard not to, I almost felt like I was going to sing a boys to men. So it's so hard. <laughs> it's just, it's hard you do, you. not to take on somebody else's pain. And it's hard as um, maybe someone who, who knows better, who's been there to, to not want to save them the trouble you've been through. It is but hard then to realize that, there is no saving them from that trouble. That trouble is the, that is the journey. And it's why you, it's how you got there. If someone else had tried to do that for you, it wouldn't work. It's if you're a parent and you tried to hide your kid from all of the pain and all the disappointment in the world, when they do encounter it, what are they going to do? Right? That's part of no growing, part of walking forward. Um, and it's what I strive for every day when I make my art. I, I have come to call this, Practice. I, I gave a talk on it last fall. I, I call it radical vulnerability. And mm. the idea is to just not be ashamed of anything, not be afraid for anyone to know 
any part of me and share openly with the hopes that people who hear it will be able to be regularly vulnerable. You know, you don't have to be 100% all the time and, and throw it all out there, but you don't have to be ashamed of it. Make it acceptable. And that's, and that's what I do with my art. That's this new show I have coming up. I've called it 4 a.m. Girl because uh, I'm awake all of the time and I'm working all the time. And through that work, I've come to learn quite a bit about me and about the, the conditions and illnesses that I, I have. And one of them, which has been progressing for at least a decade nearly, is this awareness that I, I actually have a condition that they call OSDD, which is like um, associative identity disorder, mm. multiple personality disorder light. Okay. You know, I don't lose myself. I don't, I don't wake up in different places or anything, but I am not alone always. And the, the more that I wasn't seeing that other person and what they were doing and going through, the more conflict there was and the more separation until I felt like there was somebody here. I felt like I could hear them. And, and I realized that this art and this compulsion that I have to make it constantly because I do, I was drawing when you came up here. I believe it. It's because they, they have to be seen. They have to be seen. Um, you're so you're not a, wrong. That that's what this flame is, is there. And once you smash the glass, that has been keeping it, you know, from fruition, it yeah. explodes. And I have and, to tell you that it is your duty to make your art because mm -hmm. you were only made one way. And to be anything different than that is a slap in the face of whomever, whatever made you, right? And, and like I said, I have a duty to make it. You do? I have a duty to this other part of me to share it. You do. And this, so this show, when I put it together, it's, it's part retrospective. It's part like, hey, if you work constantly nonstop for two and a half years, you can get a lot done. And, and here's sort of what that looks like. Here's what it does to you. <laughs> and, it, and the idea is this, you got this, it's an entire gallery show, it's a month long. And the idea is that as, as you progress here, it, it, it's a downhill slide. It's a downhill slide into dissociation, into substance abuse, into all of these things that you end up doing because you feel so sick. Um, and it's going to culminate in, a, in an installation piece that is a, a literal walk right in, into the den. Like this, this is the dark. This is the darkness where the, this is the core. This is everything that I can show you. Um, and the idea, like I said, to make it radically vulnerable, radically honest. Um, and there's going to be disclaimers all over this place because there's, there is nudity, there is blood, there's, you know, all of these things um, that I've made and created and captured that I haven't had a place to share because Instagram won't let me. But that, mm, that's very restrictive. Me. I can but see how that would really weigh on your heart, your soul, and make you feel like you're painting the inside of a sphere. And when you right, and and when you just there's nothing more frustrating than saying something as loudly as you can and feeling like nobody heard it. Mm. Um, and so my hope with that um, is doing it. I put out a new collection of poetry. I love which your is the poetry. Same line. It's black, white, it's, and red all over, isn't it? Black and white and red all that over. That was the first one. Yeah, I remember. I have a new one. I I write so many poems. I, I know I you actually do. have. I actually have four full collections. In, in the pipe and I just meter them out. But this next one I produced, I'm, I'm really proud of. Um, it's 80 plus poems. It's 30, I wanna say 30 original digital pieces of work to illustrate it. And you know, while there are different things that I write about in there, the majority of it is this experience of, of discovering my other selves and working with them from, from fighting it to accepting it to working together and it, it's sort of connected by a loose narrative um and it was it was a pain in the ass to make because i, I built it. it all the way i built it in procreate 240 pages jesus and then put it together and getting it formatted enough on amazon because amazon's the only place i could 
publish no publisher wants to touch you know two hundred forty popular pages prudes um especially enough for you're giving people the vapors yes my word (laughs) I want to say at least at least twenty four to thirty attempts to have it accepted Amazon and what's hilarious is I finally got it was up there I was like sweet done I got my copy and realized that I forgot to put a page in it. Right in the middle of one of the poems, I, it was a five-page poem with four pages. I was like, son of a bitch. Now I got to go through this again. So I went through. I fixed it. It was already up and published, right? I put the new revised manuscript up, and they rejected it again. And I was like, I'm going to destroy the entire world. <laughs> like, it, so I finally, I just got the email saying that my appeal was met <clears throat> and that I, I could get it published. All right. That means that we're going to put a link to that in the show notes and we'll need to go out and purchase yeah, it. I'm, I'm really proud of it. It is not it is not a cheap book because it is so big and so colorful. But it, I, What's wrong I with that? I'm really proud of it. But um, if it's worth that, then that's what it's worth. Exactly. And right, I find exactly. that price, <clears throat> while it can be discriminatory, it can also weed out fair weather fans mm-hmm. and it's also about self-respect right and you know it it costs what it costs for them to print it mm-hmm. and for them to get theirs um and you know it it is what it is but i it was the act of making it and putting out there was another side of this okay let let her speak, let her be seen so that you can get back to being. Well, I can tell you the Tragedy Academy sees you. We do see you. I love being here. And it's it's always fun. Um, I want you to uh, give everybody your website where they can find you um, while we're on. And then again, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Yes. We're coming up on an hour. We always do this. Oh, I know. Well, (laughs) and I have I have two websites I'd like to share with you. Please do. My, my website is www.mynameisident.com. There is another website for another project that I'm a part of, but it's not my project. And this website is www.idenfilm.com. Mm. Because for the last three and a half or more years, there has been a filmmaker following me, basically from the time I came out through now and and making a documentary See, about I knew it. And back then I told you, I said, you have something bigger and, and to accomplish. So they are I love finally this. In, they're finally in post-production, um, looking up there. They'll be fundraising. So as soon as by the time people see this, they will be ready um, to accept tax-deductible de- uh, donations and things through there to, to finish the production of it. Um, and like anything that involves me, it is... It's going to be a lot. It's going to be super emotional. I asked them, I said, what is the name of your, your movie? I didn't sit on the floor and cries because I feel like that's 80% of the <laughs> Mine will be Jay still looking in the fridge. <laughs> He's been um, there for a long time. That bulb's going to go out. It's, it's the, the bulb burnt out. Um, but I, you know, and I go back and forth being very excited Um to see this and to see what shakes out. I'm excited too for you. And then being horrified. I'm like, oh my God, what have I agreed to do? Um, Because it is. From the start, I laid it out. I think the very first video diary that I gave to them was laying everything out about my self-injury and where to start. Um, And I said, this is the the tone I want to set for it. Um, And that's where we've stayed. And it's a lot. From the outside looking in, you can see the growth. You can see the maturity in your art. You can see the level of passion. And I want to thank you because without you acting on that inner flame, I wouldn't have the opportunity to see it, to take it in. Like I deserve to. Because we all deserve everybody else's art. We need to make more art. When you don't make your art, you're leaving pain inside of yourself. Because inauthenticity breeds pain. 
Right. Anytime you're not being yourself, you're creating a mental illness. It's like a teapot. It needs to come out somewhere. Being afraid of that pain is what makes it so bad. I've been a medic for almost 30 years. The fear of pain is always worse than the pain. 100%. And and so if you just accept, this is going to hurt, but not as bad as you think. Um, My imagination is way, way worse than what could actually happen to me. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% sure of that. I've been catastrophizing since the day I was born. Yes, yes. <laughs> Best was do. I thank you so much. I appreciate you. Everybody, please make sure you go check out her websites and all of her art. I cannot recommend it enough. It's raw. It's violent. It's everything you could possibly imagine all rolled up. It's visceral. It's Your sweet. art is visceral. It's crunchy. It's it's everything for you. I love it. Um, and remember, thank everybody. You. Thank you. Again. Thank you. I appreciate it. And remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning.